Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Welcome to another episode of Perceive Value. I'm your host and producer, Sarah Rachel Brown. Quick favor before we get to today's introduction. If you have not yet done so, please rate and review Proceed Value on the Apple Podcast app. It's easy, and your ratings and reviews will help others find the podcast and get this gal one step closer to a fully sponsored podcast. Or if you'd like to support me directly, you become my patron on Patreon. It's a donation platform where you name the price. Visit patreon.com slash value to find out more. It's late August, which means for many of you listening, summer vacation is officially over. And you've probably entered the first week of school or you're just gearing up to do so. To the educators out there, hey, best of luck with the next academic year. And to the students listening, Education is expensive, so take advantage of every moment and opportunity because, well, you're paying for it. In the coming year, I'll be visiting a few academic institutions, and I'm pretty excited about this. I love connecting with students and sharing my accomplishments, but more so my failures. If you're an educator and you'd be interested in having me come and, you know, talk about money and the logistics of a career as an artist, Visit perceivedvaluepodcast.com and drop me a line. Now, my schedule for the coming academic year is getting pretty full, but hey, reach out and let's get the discussion started. Speaking of academia, my guest today graduated with her Master's of Fine Art this past spring, and she has wasted no time starting a new position as an adjunct professor at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio, which I'm assuming that position had to have started this week, or if not, definitely the coming week. If you've listened to episode 31 of the podcast, you're no stranger to this artist's voice. We first met this past January at the ECU Symposium, and when I realized our paths would be crossing once again in Chicago, I immediately reached out for an interview. Ajua Obeng Ose is a Ghanaian artist currently based in the United States. She works as a metalsmith, but also a printmaker and an object maker. I was excited to speak with Ajua because, well, prior to meeting her, I had never met anybody from Ghana. And if I had, I didn't realize I had met someone from Ghana. And to be completely honest, I have no idea what life is like in Ghana. And dang, if I'm way too honest, I couldn't have pointed it out on a map. I know, terrible. But in my defense, I will say I have met plenty of people who have no idea where the state of Iowa is. So, you know, there's that. I was excited to sit down with Adua to discuss 
what the structure of the academic system is like in Ghana. And as someone who had once dreamt of studying abroad, but quickly got overwhelmed with, you know, the paperwork and logistics, what's it like getting your visa to study in the United States? Today's interview will be my last of a series recorded in Chicago, Illinois at Adornment in Theory, which was in conjunction with the Society of North American Goldsmiths Conference. Like my other interviews, this was recorded during regular business hours, so there's a little background noise, and I hope that won't be too distracting. Once again, I'd like to thank Viviana Langhoff of Adornment in Theory for making this interview and the past two episodes possible. It was truly a pleasure collaborating with you. So please welcome today's guest, Adua Obeng Ose. How you doing? I'm good. Are you sleepy? No. Really? Because I am exhausted. I slept early last night. Oh, you went to bed early. I slept like nine. You slept like nine hours last night? Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's like as much as I sleep sometimes a whole conference. Well, wow. well, you know, snack conferences are kind of a marathon. Mm-hmm. It's a lot every I'm day. I'm overwhelmed because there's so much going on. It is overwhelming, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, I thank you for taking the time to come out here and Aww. speak with me and connect with me. Anything for a friend. It means it means a lot to me. Thank you. I'm gonna turn you up and I'm gonna turn myself down a little bit. Okay. Because you have the background noise behind you. Oh. You're at. Um, so I perceive value is in Chicago, Illinois for the Society of North American Goldsmiths Conference. Well, I'm here for the conference. Um, currently the podcast is set up at Adornment in Theory in Chicago's Logan Square neighborhood. And Viviana Langhoff, who owns Adornment in Theory, um, reached out to me last year during New York City Jewelry Week and offered to bring the podcast here during the conference, which so we are set up in, I call it a gallery. It's a gallery. She does fine jewelry. She makes custom work. She also has some home goods here. She seems to do a little Mm -hmm. bit of everything Mm -hmm. as I look at her and smile. (laughs) She's like, hey, yeah, I do. (laughs) Um, So huge thanks to her. And Currently, I am sitting across, if you listen to the podcast and you've heard pretty much anything I've put out, you might remember my episode from when I was at the ECU symposium. I did some recordings and there was a guest I had, Adua, and she was at, is at Bowling Green University and she is attending the conference and when I heard she was going to be here, I just felt like that 10, 15 minutes we had was not enough. Hi, Adua. Hi. And so, um, also, kudos to you, because <laughs> she had a heck of a time trying to get here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the conference is held in a hotel, and the hotel um, is downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. I had no issue getting out here, but there is a parade going on, apparently. So, it was pretty much impossible to get mm-hmm. a car to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I came on the train for the first time by myself. Yeah. Yeah, because I was a little bit scared because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to get to the. I didn't know how to get to the, like the stops. But I realized for the first time, I realized there were um, writings of the stops on the walls of the yeah. train tracks. So I was like, oh, okay. So now I think I'm pretty much confident the next time. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, 
in cities often taking a train is just easier it's than taking anything way else better yeah it was way better i kept trying to send you cars and like they were just kept canceling me and i was like okay this is just not going to work yeah, i think it, there was a lot of traffic though but yeah. i didn't know that it was a parade i actually thought it was just a traffic like mm-hmm. regular morning traffic until you told me there's a parade i was like oh huh oh. that explains it yeah now i get why no <laughs> one can get through i know right <laughs> um so adwa this is is this your first time in chicago yeah no wait no my second time oh your second time my first time i came in with sofa sofa chicago oh you went to sofa yeah did you go to sofa this year no oh but my very first year in school i did yeah Mm -hmm. and that's a pretty um if you don't know what we're talking to you about guys sofa is sculptural objects functional art it's one of the biggest like sculptural objects functional art fair (laughs) hence the name (laughs) oh my god can you tell i've been talking non-stop for like three days (laughs) um and it's overwhelming it's on the navy pier and Mm -hmm. there's just so many galleries and so So many many things to see yeah yeah did you enjoy it yeah well it was my first time and everybody went in the click so it was a little bit difficult for me to blend in it Mm -hmm. wasn't one of my best but I think that probably that's, that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to go this time around. But now I have friends that I also have my clay yeah. or like my group of friends. So that makes it way better here than when I went my first year. Because my first year, everybody that went, they've known each other from freshman to junior. So, oh, and I yeah. was just new. I was just two months old in the school. So it was pretty tough and I knew nothing. Yeah. So. It wasn't my best, <laughs> but I made a, a connection. I made a friend, and she's my best friend currently. Yeah, we've Who's been that? friends since. Um, she's called Caitlin um, Turner. Caitlin Turner. Because I just told her I was like I'm in Snag, and she she's also doing her MFA in um, VCU. So oh. she texts back and she said, "Wait, are you in Chicago?" I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Oh, that's where we we bonded. That's where we made our first connection with fr- with our friendship." I was like to think about it that makes more sense yeah so yeah i made a friend through that because she went with me through the train mm-hmm. and then through that I, I became close to her so yeah and know. i think with things like attending something like snag or it's like you gotta have your pack kind of yeah i know a lot of people who just the first snag i ever went to i went on my own um you don't have to have your pack sometimes it it works better just to be able to flow on your own but i do love having just a few people that i can connect with and walk around yeah Yeah. like help you you need a way yeah help you figure out the train if you've never been here or where to eat the best food or Mm -hmm. yeah so that's all important my first night though you are enjoying it okay even though i don't like it's my first i think because i've been exposed to so many like ecu and um i've been to ecu twice so i think yeah. now i have the exposure so i'm able to go to people and talk to them ask um the artists other artists like what's up what are you doing yeah how you how are you coming about like your works and all that so but i had one of my under one undergrad say i don't know i feel so stupid standing here and i was like why and she said because i can't communicate with every anybody like if i see people i'm not able to talk to people because i'm shy and i'm like that reminds me of my first <laughs> my first sofa yeah. but I told her I said you'll be fine so yeah. I'm hoping she, she gets along because she, I don't think she's having the best time it's difficult mm-hmm. and I find that maybe I mean I think as an artist this is a good lesson in understanding about how you have to put yourself out there mm-hmm. if you want to be an artist a working artist you have to advocate for True. yourself and I think it's kind of a catch 22 because a lot of <laughs> 
artists are introverts. Yeah. And the reason why they like their studio practice, because it's them in a room by themselves. Nobody else. Yeah. And they don't necessarily want to go to a conference and have to talk to a Mm -mm. bunch of people they don't know and put themselves out there. But um, it's a part of it. True. And it's a good exercise in that. And I think this, like these conferences, like um, conferences like this really opens like the individual if you are an introvert, it actually opens you up to meet people. Because mm-hmm. in order for you to get connected, you would have to talk. Yeah. And if you're going to be quiet, then you're, everybody's going to pass you by. So the best thing is for you to like, um, be open enough or try to master the courage to talk to people. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So how are you doing with that? Is there anybody that you've like connected with here that you're really excited about? I met I met the um, the founder of Fritz the Hammer. Oh really? To, yeah, I, I oh, met cool. him. Oh cool! And then I also met I really I forgot his name, but he he wrote the book about Mokome. I oh, I don't know who that is. He gave me his his card, but yeah, he we met him yesterday just by talking, and then he said, "You are you have so much energy." And then through that, we started talking, and he said, I wrote the Mokume book, and this is my, my card. He gave me a brooch, from, which was made out of Mokume. He gave you a Mokume yeah. brooch? Yeah, he gave me a brooch, and he said, this is my, this is my email address. You can email me, but I'm gonna let, I'm gonna, um, the Mokume book is going to be online for free, yeah. so you guys should be following me up on it. And I was like, he even introduced me to his son. That is I amazing. I didn't know his son was here until he said, that's my son, too, and I was like, wow. That's impressive. You got a free Mokume, bro? I know, okay. right? <laughs> You're winning the conference game. Adiwa. Okay. Um, so, hey, I owe you, since I've talked to you, uh-huh. there has been a lot of things going on in your life. Congratulations, you graduated. Yeah. So you got your Master's of Fine Art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was that? Your thesis show, doing the whole thing. How'd it go? Well, like... When I started my um, my MFA show, I, I did a pre-master's program, so I saw the two years of grad students tr- struggling through the MFA show and all that. Yeah. And the first thing that dawned on me was, I really don't want to go through this stress. <laughs> but I, yeah. like, I saw them and I saw the classes that they took, and then I listened to the classes that they said, you should take this before before your finals, because you're going to go through what we are going through. So funny enough, I, I followed exactly what they said, but... Some of the, my projects, I did it the, year, the semester before. Mm-hmm. So the last semester, I was the most relaxed amongst everybody. Oh, you planned ahead. Yeah. And all my works that I made were approved by my committee. So oh. I didn't even have to remake any work. I made my own pedal stools. By three weeks to the show, I was done. I was just relaxing. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if I've left something out because, because the pressure that people go through and the pressure I've seen people go through I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm so relaxed. This needs to be, there should be some, it's sort of pressure. But yeah. I was the first person to set up. I got everything done and I left. Good so for you. It's been, it was pretty smooth. It was when I was getting my thesis statement done. Yeah. It was my issue because um, writing, like the English translation and everything was difficult for me. But it, I got it done. Yeah. It was good. Congratulations. I didn't go through the stress at all. You didn't have to stress, yeah. which is kind of... I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that was like, yeah, my my thesis show was chill. I was just done waiting no, for it to happen. I it's usually like, ah. Even my friends were saying it like, you are the most chill person we've ever seen. In, yeah. Like, throughout the show because everybody was like, oh, I, I have... Like, people even had their parents come and help. 
Yeah. Wow, that's Before wild. my husband came, I was done with everything. I made my own seven pedals, pedals tools, painted my own thing, and yeah. I mounted everything on my own. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's incredible. I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah, you should be, Adwa. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, thank you. So I always like to give insight to the artists that I speak to about their background, like their socioeconomic background, um, where they went to undergrad, because I think it's really important to understanding how people's experience is um, throughout their career path. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adwa, you are from Ghana, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so how long have you been studying in the States? How many years? Um, I've been going back and forth for nine years, but I started my MFA three years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. So can you give listeners, can you tell us a little bit about um, where you grew up okay. and how you got interested in metalsmithing? Okay. So I grew up in Ghana. Um, my family was in Akosombo. That's um, a little bit away from the capital. I went to school in Akosum International because my dad was a teacher there and my mom used my mom worked with the Volta River Authority, which they were the ones that founded Akosumbo and Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> with the Volta River I'm Authority. I'm following you they, kind of. okay. I'm with they you. Were, they were um the Volta River Authority is where the lake the Volta Lake is and that's where we generate all the um, electricity. Okay. Most of the electricity in Ghana and we kinda give some to Cote d'Ivoire and Togo too. So when the foreigners came to build the da- the dam mm-hmm. and they came to build the bridge, they set up a school in like a small s- um, city, which mm-hmm. was the Akosombo, and that's where um, people um, came to settle. So people say I'm from it um, because I got, I went to school there and I, I grew up there. Is usually it's for people that are a little bit well to do. That okay. Stay, that stay there. Yeah. So and then I went for my um my college uh, in Kumase, which is another um, region in Ghana. Okay. And I went to the Kwame Nkrumah um Kwame Nkrumah Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, popularly known as um, KNUST. So that's why I did my undergrad, which um was in um metal product design. And then I did one one year of internship because in Ghana, the government subsidizes your university fees, and then mm-hmm. when you finish school, you work for the government for a year, and then you get a certificate for the lifetime. So if you decide to stand in any of the government positions, you have that to show that you've actually served the country for that one year. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for a year. I was a teaching assistant, and then I came to the states. But whilst I was in college, I was coming to the states to, to work under um student job um student job visa and it's mm-hmm. popularly known as work and travel culture exchange program so you would come and work where would you work here when you i come used over? to work in um put in bay where put in bay is right on port clinton put in bay put in bay you've not been there as an island Oh, it's an island? No, yeah. of course I haven't Girl, been there. Girl, you should go there. I have a party like, place. I will, yes, please. I want to go. The only island I've been to is Hawaii. And I was like, okay. Mm. Really? You've not heard about Putin Bay? No. Well, after this podcast, you should, you should go there. You would I'm love from, it. I'm from, I'm from Iowa. I have like, ah, uh, never been to Ghana. Never bad. been anywhere near where you're from. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I need to explore. It was, you should. Well, you know what? It's something that I greatly admire about you is that you're just like, okay, I'm just gonna go to get my mfa (laughs) in the states and i don't know anybody here and you're not afraid Mm -mm. i would love to explore and travel and visit ghana (laughs) and i'm like 
but I don't know any what to expect. Like, it's so intimidating when you've never been somewhere. Well, and it is, but sometimes I tell myself, I said, I was able to get this opportunity. What is the worst that would happen? And I'm a Christian too, so I always tell myself that if God really would pull me through a disgrace, He wouldn't let this. He wouldn't give me this opportunity. But yeah. once He's given me that opportunity, then there's something mind blowing out there, and that's why I have that opportunity. So I always have the positive like inside. Like even if it's worse, then it's for me to is a is like a stepping stone for me to appreciate the good one ahead of me. Yeah. So I didn't really know where how I was gonna do this, but I was. Like, I'm going. I told my friends, I was like, I'm taking this. And whatever be the case, we'll cross that river when we get there. So, yeah, And we crossed the river. <laughs> well, you, you obviously crossed it and uh, killed it I doing know. so. <laughs> so then, let me get this straight. To rewind back, the government subsidized your education, your mm-hmm. fees. So then did you, was school expensive for you or did you even pay it anything? Is, it's still kind of expensive for people that are not really, I was very blessed. Mm-hmm. And my parents were well-to-do. So we were not from a rich family, but we were well-to-do that we didn't have to take loans. or we didn't yeah. have to, My parents always gave us money for, I never worked. My first time I worked was in the States. Oh, okay. So my dad was a, t- was a teacher. My mom was a um, um, nurse practitioner. And she's oh, still a nurse practitioner. Okay. Yeah. So we never, in school, all three of us went through school without having any scholarship, uh, without having any, well, we didn't have scholarships in school too, but yeah. in Ghana, they hardly ever give scholarships because the government itself is struggling. How much more oh, give you Oh, so there's not really that many. No, we don't have scholarships in Ghana. Like oh. the way schools would give you scholarship to yeah. pay everything. Oh, okay. So, yeah. but it, my dad did really well. He would pay for our rent in school, for our apartment. He would give us pocket money every month. Because yeah. he says, I'm going to pay you, and all you have to do is to learn. That's your job, is to learn. So we never worked like okay, the way in Dad. the States. I know, right? Like the way in the States, you have to work and still pay for your, like work and go to school and still pay for your rent. Yeah. Like he paid everything. What's your dad's name? He's Richard Oving. Richard Oving? Yeah. Richard, shout out to you. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so when you graduated, you didn't really have any debt. Nope. I still no. don't have any debt. You don't have any debt. Mm-mm. That's incredible. So when you came over, when you would come back and forth uh, to the States to work with your mm-hmm. visa and whatnot, um, was that your father helping you do pay for that travel and have those experiences? Yeah. Well, when I was coming back and forth, I was always saving. Yeah. So when I was done with school, I bought my first car, which was right upright, cash down. Nice. And I am... Um, after that, I had like other investment I had made. Mm-hmm. So when I learned I had to come to school, I was well. The year I finished after my internship, I told my dad, I said, I need to go to. I want to go to school this year. And if I don't go to school this year, or if I don't get admission to a school this year, I'm done. I'm not even gonna go to school again because that's my my point. Yeah. Where this year is my breaking point, and if I don't get it, I'm done. So he helped me one way or the other to look for schools. And when I got it. I had to scrape everything I had, and my mom and my dad helped me. Like, like um, when I needed money, they, oh, up to now, my mom still sends me money. Oh, she does. Yeah, like when, unless I call when I call her that I need money, she would always send it. Yeah. So like they've been so helpful. And yeah. I had, but my first year in school, I had to scrape all my savings because I didn't yeah. want I didn't want help from them. I wanted to do it by myself. Yeah. And then until I got here, I realized. I, I think I need I still need money from my, my parents. I started calling home for money. But my my mom and my dad, they really they've really done well and I owe them a lot. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I owe them a lot. I didn't have to struggle when I was growing up. And my dad actually taught us how to save. 
Yeah. So even when you go to school and you don't have money, you spend your money before the end of the month. You yeah. call him, he's gonna tell you they don't pay me ahead of time. So yeah. I, I get paid. I pay you when I get paid. Yeah. So you might as well wait. So he always like showed you how to spend money. And he would never give you money. Even if you see him holding it, he would tell you, you don't make your plans and put me in it. And even mm-hmm. if you put me in it, I'm out of it. So it's really brought, showed us how to like manage money, how to spend, how to save. Which is such an important mm-hmm. skill. Mm-hmm. I feel like my parents, my grandparents tried to instill that in me, but my mother was really bad with money. Uh, my father wasn't that good either. And neither one of them instilled that into me or uh, even talked to me a lot about it. Really? Yeah. My dad would tell you, like I remember coming to the state one time, mm-hmm. and my dad told me when I came to, <laughs> when I came the year before, I made money. What did I use the money for? And I said, oh, well, I had to use it to buy stuff. He said, if you use the money to enjoy, then I don't have my. I, I'm yet to use mine too, so I don't have the money to give you. I came to the state with twenty dollars in my pocket. Oh wow! Yeah, because I bought my ticket by myself. But after buying my ticket, I didn't have any money. My dad said, I don't have the money for you, and whatever way you're gonna get to wherever you're going is your your business i don't i'm done a little tough love yeah which is important as yeah. well they like have now supported i look back you. and i feel he really really helped me yeah so. that was crucial <laughs> i have a question can i talk to you about what your experience is like metalsmithing in ghana and how different it is in the united states mm-hmm. because i mean what is a program in metals like there Mm, well, like the metal, the metal smithing in Ghana is way different from here, and I think it's also because um, we don't have the facilities, and even if we do, it's very limited. Like the whole department uses one tiny mill, the whole department uses maybe one um, forge. Yeah, but and the, even the forge is not big for all the department. The whole, and we are about my class. We are about thirty-four p- students. Oh goodness, yeah. there is a lot of yeah. Is the university that you went to? Would you say it's like the biggest in Ghana or it's, one of? It's the only university that it's the only university does, in Ghana. Oh. So it's the University of Science and Technology. So yeah. it's the only university that does stuff that are technology wise. Mm. So like engineering and engineering, everything engineering. That is the only school that you can go to. Unless you go wow. to a private school. But all the government schools, that's the only school. And that's the only school that teaches metals. That is yeah. nuts. <laughs> so then, oh my God, I'm afraid to ask. Is there more than one professor? Like how many professors are dedicated to metal? One, we have, I think, seven. Uh, okay, okay. We have good. seven, but yeah. they are all taking first year, second year, third year, and fourth year. They are all teaching a class in all those um, um Four classes. They're all teaching yeah. maybe one teacher is teaching the same thing for three different classes. Yeah. So it's like they've divided it amongst themselves. Yeah, that's a lot. And I kind of remember when we talked back in January, there was something where you mentioned like you don't know what your professor's work was like. Yeah, I've, I, I still haven't seen how what they do or what even they did in school. Like it's very difficult to even ask. What? See, that just blows my mind because I feel like here in America, that is such a big part of why you get hired mm-hmm. because of who you are as an artist, because of your studio practice and what kind of work you make. Yeah. And then were you shocked when you got over here about how much that was part of the yeah. discussion? <laughs> because the minute I got here, the 
Tom said these he had a oh and we're talking about Tom Muir Tom everyone Muir. yeah he showed me his works and I could even go online and look look at his works and I yeah. met Marta St. Holt and I could go online and see his her works too yeah let me google my professors in Ghana <laughs> I wouldn't even find one person's work really but there's one that is currently doing um a lot of commercial based jewelry mm-hmm. so he's been posting what he's been doing on um instagram and he's the same person that um convinced me to study outside rather than to study here in the in ghana oh. because the system was so low that he pr- he advised me to do it outside just to get a different perspective about teaching and the skill and the knowledge That's and i think that was a good one yeah he it really sounds like well. a really great mentor yeah yeah he really did well because somebody would have said oh just do it here because i don't want you to come and teach too but he said what do you want to do after school i said i want to teach and he said you know what since you already have traveling experience look for schools outside don't, yeah. don't come here because huh. you would lose a lot and you'll you be just like us. There'll be n- nothing different than us. And if you want employment, there's no way they'll pick somebody that has the same knowledge or the same skills that we have. Yeah. So you might as well do something different just so you stand out. Yeah, you get the everybody. upper hand kind yeah, of. So wow. he did really good. And he still checks up on me. He would still ask me what's going on. Like when I post stuff on, <laughs> online on my achievements, like he, was, he always get hey, big woman. He always yeah. calls me big woman. Because he says he's so impressed about how far we've I've gotten to. Yeah. So he's really good. So then your friend that came with you today, uh-huh. remind me of her name one more time. Dufier. Dufier. Yeah. Hi, Dufier. She's right over there. He's the same one that convinced Dufier to also study outside. Oh, really? Yeah. So this one, what was the name of this professor? He's Cyril Etanam Adala. Mm-hmm. Just, just say Cyril. Shout out to Cyril. Cyril. Shout out to Cyril. <laughs> yeah. I would rather take my time and say a name really slowly and practice it than say it wrong because I feel Cyril, like that's okay, really see, rude. Adala. So Cyril Adala. Ciro Adala. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Ciro mm-hmm. Adala. Yeah. Good on yeah. you. <laughs> so then were you in the same class together? We, she was a year behind me. Oh, a year behind mm-hmm. you. Okay. But we were all in the same department, like, just like here. So we kind of, yeah. but in Ghana, we don't mix, they don't mix undergrad and graduate together. You it's, don't mix them yeah. or you do? Oh. No, we don't. So it's second year, the whole class is second year. It's first year, the whole class is first year. So it was when I got here and I was like, wait, you're a grad student and you're in the same class with me. Yeah. And then I go like, oh, beginner, oh, junior. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you could mix. But the other thing too is we are all over 30 something students yeah. as second year. So why would they add another 30 something final years to a class? So I think that's why they made it like that, like individual. But here, because they are like maybe two advanced, two juniors, two intermediate, they mm-hmm. have to join everybody. Yeah. But it's interesting how everybody does different like assignments in the same class. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're different. Ghana is different. What do you, what about how it's um, structured here versus how it's structured in Ghana that you like better here? Do you like that it's all mixed up? Yes, because yeah. you get to see advanced level works, mm-hmm. and then, but with us you don't get to see advanced. You only see your colleagues' works. Yeah, you only see advanced when you go through the studio and you see somebody working, and mm-hmm. then you see. But here we have the same critique. You had you have advanced level people critiquing your work. That also helps you a lot. And you get to critique an advanced level work and you go like, (laughs) I feel cool in my shoes because you're actually critiquing someone who is supposed to be a second year grad and you're you're nitpicking on on their work and you feel like, 
okay, the person's actually listening to what you're saying and taking yeah. advice from what you're saying. So it makes you feel like, okay, you're getting somewhere. It kind of motivates you on your next well, level. Well, I was just going to say, like, yeah. every experience I have, it's like, it's good to be challenged if you're mm-hmm. not challenged then you don't understand how far you can go necessarily it's right true. so yeah. you need and I think that's a big part of why you go to conferences and go to the exhibitions mm-hmm. to see this insanely well made work and you know you set the your the bar for yourself keeps going higher and higher mm-hmm. but if you I could see how it'd be difficult if you're just in a room full of 30 other students all at your same level yeah. it's like there is pushing yourselves amongst each other, but, but not in the same no, way. No, no. And yeah. then if your peer critiques you, you guys all have the same level of knowledge. Yeah. Because you are all taught the same. But you have somebody that has experienced your knowledge and gone to the next level. And yeah. is telling you that you could have done this better. Yeah. That makes you feel like, okay, so I have so much to do. But your intermediate, you don't, like, I was teaching um, first years. And mm-hmm. even with the critique, you could tell that... First years in Ghana or at here, Bowling Green? In okay. Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. And I had w- one student that was... Um, was a, uh, She's gone to an art school before, so this... Yeah. She's only taking the class because it's a requirement. And she was saying, I don't really like... I don't feel the, the critique because it's not really intense. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's because you've had that experience on a higher level. But these people are learning on a, on, a, on a lower level, which is the first year. So it's probably their first critique class they're having. Oh, those so, are always... So... <laughs> So you have to cut them a break. And that's the same way I feel if I felt when I was in Ghana because we all have the same level. And nobody, sometimes nobody will even speak about your work because probably yours is even better than mine. So why even talk about yours when mine is even worse? Yeah. But I like the fact that we mix here. Yeah. It yeah. kind of motivates you a lot. Most, yeah. Because even the the graduates do not want you to do not want to disgrace themselves with their works yeah because an undergrad is going to talk about it so they also it also pushes them to do better works than yeah they got to show you how it's done (laughs) yeah you got to step it up (laughs) yeah so it doesn't like it doesn't give them room to relax yes exactly oh that's a good way to put it so everybody's like I want to impress him. He wants to impress you. Yeah. So. And then you're also seeing the work that your professors are making and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, they're making work and they're teaching and they're mm-hmm. pushing themselves. Like you got to step it up too. Work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Both of your professors have had really prolific careers. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom's is very much so a lot longer than Marissa's, yeah. but even Marissa, you know, she's, she's like running. killing it. That girl doesn't, I don't know. She never stops. No. So, um, what wonderful people to study under. How did you come to find yourself at Bowling Green? Like, where did you hear about them? Well, um, when I was in, when I was in Putin Bay working, I met two students that were in Bowling Green. And I was like, what's going Well, because I was, uh, my dream was to come here and study. When I see foreign students, I, I try to, like, communicate with them, ask them what the school is about, if they would ever recommend the school for me or like for someone else so i asked one student i was like you're in bowling green where's bowling green because i didn't even know where bowling green is and i was i had been here for two years mm-hmm. so she said oh bowling green is right by toledo and i was like oh okay so like toledo yeah it's oh, toledo toledo ohio yeah, yeah yeah okay so she was like well what do you want to do and i was like well i intend to be a teacher one day but and she's like perfect bowling green is a school for teachers and for business women women or men if you really want to do it it's the best place to start and i was like well i could try okay so i applied for three schools but i i chose bowling green because i had actually experienced somebody two people there and they all told me about bowling green being one of the best schools so i googled online and their reviews were good too yeah so you I did applied. your research yeah <laughs> yeah 
So I did apply, but I got two denials from the other two schools. And then all of them said uh, my standard was too low and they don't think it was good enough for grad school. So well, do you think that's a little bit of a cultural difference, too, as in terms of like when you graduate here, what level you're at in versus in mm-hmm. Ghana? It was, but yeah. it didn't really. They but they didn't really, take that into account? No. That's frustrating. They did not. And did they you said have my that discussion with them? Nope. I just, I just said. Well, Fine. Yeah, if I'm really meant to be. The one thing I always believe is if it's yours, is yours. You yeah. go through the hassle, but you would still be yours. So I just said, okay, that's fine. So I was waiting for my third option, which was Bowling Green. And then the email came as, um, I see potentials in you. I would never forget those, that email. I see potentials in you, but no, he said, you're lacking concept and skill, but I see potentials in you. If you could dedicate yourself for a year to be under me, that could help. And I said, okay. So I emailed him back and I said, that was Tom Muir, that email. Yeah. So he didn't indirectly say you did not qualify. He, he, that was the email he sent. And he made it clear that he wanted me to dedicate one year. So obviously he didn't want me to start grad school. But yeah. he didn't indirectly dump in my spirit by saying you did not qualify for grad school. But in mm-hmm. the email, he made me feel like, okay, you can do it, but you need to prove yourself. Yeah. So I emailed him back and then he said he was going to go on sabbatical that, that year. But he doesn't know anything about admissions or anything. So I should rather... He gave me three people I should contact. And yeah. those people were the people I contacted. So I go back. To, I got to Bowling Green. You know, I think there's something here too. Well, good on Tom, first of yeah, all. For seeing the potential <laughs> and reaching out and having that conversation with you. I respect that greatly. I think that maybe it would have been because culturally different like when you graduate there what level you're at versus Mm -hmm. what maybe an undergrad here graduates at that maybe it would have been a disservice for you to throw you in there anyways because grad school is expensive yeah and so if you're not at the level for that I don't think the answer is just to say no yeah which I shame on those other two institutions Mm -hmm. for not even having a conversation with you but I think the answer is to say we can still help you get the tools to get to what you want to do. Uh-huh. And that's yeah, he, that would have been best. Yeah. What did they say financial aid-wise? Like, what what was the deal with that? Because they're asking you to take a whole other year. Yeah so, yeah, so that year, I asked Tom, I was like, so do I get a scholarship? Or, and she, he's like, well, I don't think so, but I don't know anything about, you know, the way he talks. <laughs> I don't know anything <laughs> about this admission thing. Ajo, you need to, you need to call that admission office. I, I, I can't, I, I can't help you until you get here. So I, I called and they told me that with, with what I'm doing, I am neither a visiting student, but in order for me to enroll as a, fo- uh, as a, in order for me to be, to have my um, student's um, visa, I need to be enrolled as a full-time student. And yeah. the only way to do this was to be an undergrad, be registered as an undergrad or a postgraduate. Um, post-back. Yeah, post-back. Yeah. So that's what I did. So I was registered as post-back and then I went for the interview at the uh, US Embassy. It was a little bit tough. It was rough. And then... What was rough about the interview? The, well, they just I, I was in, already in the States. I had to yeah. wait for six months to get my visa. After six months, they told me I had to go for the visa from my home country because I came on a different visa, which was a visiting visa. Mm, so yeah. I went back to my home country after spending a whole year waiting. And then I got to my home country two days after I went for my interview. And then they told me I needed 
another form that stated that the school was giving me $3,500 for scholarship. That was all they gave me, which is something they give to all foreign students if you have because they have to have that at least yeah weird so i did what a random number i know right (laughs) so i went back because i I told the counselor i said they've actually given me three thousand five hundred and she said well on your documents it only states that you're paying everything and i was like well they sent me an email and she said well i want them to indicate it on your i-20 which was the form i need to get here with so i emailed the school and she said i don't want an email i don't want a picture i want the original documents so i had to email the school for them to make the changes for them to mail it back to me in ghana so they did so after after i think two weeks i I went back to the embassy she looked at my document i was the last person she interviewed looked at my document and told me i don't think you qualify for a visa what? And I said, why? Usually, usually people are not even allowed to even say why. And she said, because you don't have enough money in your account to. But my first interview, she made it look as if I was almost about getting it. I already knew I was getting it. Yeah. So I said, well, you've not checked. So what I did was I my my savings here from the state. I made a state. I transferred it into my Ghana account and I printed a statement. And then I <laughs> and then I went back and I changed all of them into USD. And then I printed oh. another statement in my USD account. So she looked at it and she said, well, it's not enough. Because she thought it were all um, our country's money. And I, she said, yeah. you know, you can't even pay half of your school fees. And I said, no, you've not checked it. I, this this account is, is in USD. Knowing. So she checked and she's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Let me double check. So she double checked and she said, come back in two days for a visa. But if I had just taken my document and said, okay, thank you, and walked away, that would have been it. That would have been it. Yeah. Good for you fighting for yourself. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm not staying here. What is this? <laughs> you, I've already it. told my family members I've gotten it. I'm only bringing my phone. <laughs> You're like, I'm not leaving here without that visa because I already said I'm going, so yeah. I'm going. <laughs> because she assured me that I was going to... She didn't tell me that you've gotten a visa, but the way she spoke made me feel like, okay, I'm getting somewhere with it. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm not going home today. <laughs> Oh, goodness. What is the exchange rate? Okay, I'm sorry. USD, what is the currency in Ghana? So is it, it's Ghana cities. It's cities. Cities? Yeah. And a dollar now is 5.5. Dollars here? Yeah. Oh, that's a nice exchange Yeah, it's rate. good when you send oh, money home. Oh, that's good for you. But when you're changing money from home here, is a lot of money. Yeah. When you're sending money home, it's, it's really good. It's good money. Yeah. Okay. If you send a hundred dollars home, you get five hundred and fifty. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so you get your visa. Uh huh. And so also throughout all of this, how old were you when you got married? I was twenty-seven. And when did you meet your sweetie? I met him when I was in first year. I was twenty-one. Did you? Were you both going to the same university? Yeah, we met. <laughs> it's funny we met at the registration medical registration yeah he was standing by a tree and it started raining but apparently his friend rather liked me so his friend came to me and said can we stay can we use the umbrella too yeah and i was like yeah sure but i liked him and so, friend liked so it was like a different <laughs> and he was very quiet too he's yeah. still quiet so that was where it started but we met first year mm-hmm. and then we started dating our second semester and what did he study he did english he studied english and geography so is he a teacher now or what does no, he do he's actually in um he works with the Mario forestry company in ghana mm-hmm. and he's a he's an accountant clerk 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so making the decision to come over here to go to grad school, what was that like for you two? Was he? It was. It was. <laughs> you were already married at that time. No, no, you weren't. No, okay. but I told him the minute I get to school, the minute I go to school, I said, I don't want to be stressed and I don't want to feel like. I have something to hold on to and I come back and then there's nothing to hold on to so I I, I suggested we separate ways yeah. and he said no I told myself whoever I date my first time is the same person I want to marry so I was like really okay. <laughs> you're not like, even pulling oh, okay. your weight exactly what I said I was like really you're not even pulling your weight in this relationship and you want, you're thinking about marriage no but he said you just give me some time and I'll prove to you and that, that same year he said give me this end of this year I'll get a job and then I'll make sure I help you out and I was like okay so I was there when th- I think three years three or four months before I started school was when I left Ghana I was where he got a job mm-hmm. and then I left so I was here it was tough we were going through our issues but he always told himself that it was we, we knew it wasn't going to be easy yeah of but course. he's I've always trusted him too and he's always had that trust for me and I'm actually his first girlfriend so I wasn't really scared oh my gosh yeah. that's crazy <laughs> I know right <laughs> was he your first boyfriend no oh, okay <laughs> he was my pet <laughs> I love how you're like he's crazy but whatever <laughs> Yeah, so but I kinda I kinda tell him a lot of things. So Good. I always tell him that I've watched you grow. <laughs> because, <laughs> because when I went, when I met him he was very he was he looked really young. Now he yeah. has a beard and he has a mustache. What's his name? He's Nana. Nana? Yeah. So he's been he's been very helpful too. Like yeah. once in a while you find a little bit of jealousy here and there, but he's been really helpful. And I don't know if anybody would have been able to stand my guards because I got <laughs> <laughs> And so has how many times has Nana been able to come over and see you? Nana has been here twice. Twice. Yeah. Wow. And so, how many times have you gone back to, to Ghana during this? I've been like since I started school, I've been to Ghana. So I I went I used to go every year, every December. So I've went I've gone five times. You've gone five times, mm-hmm. yeah. So then you keep your relationship through going through do you Skype a lot and we um WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yeah. So WhatsApp gives you video call. But before WhatsApp we were Skyping a lot and hang out. Yeah. So that's what we're using most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's not been easy. Well kudos to him for making it work. Yeah. And so now he's so what so you just graduated. Uh-huh. Did he got to come over for the graduation? Yeah. Yeah. So he got to see your show. Yeah. He saw my show. He saw my graduation too. He was there for my graduation too. That's amazing. Of yeah. course. He's your husband. He's your partner. Mm-hmm. And he's your support. He's my number one fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what for the future, you're graduated now. So what is your intention now? Well, I've applied. Uh, my, my, my aim is to um, enroll, like teach in a couple of schools. If not, start my PhD by next year. Oh, you're going to get your PhD. Yeah. Damn, you are just, you do not stop. <laughs> well, it's only because Ghana, you have to get your PhD. Oh, you have to get a yeah, PhD. before you can teach. Oh, forgive me if this is a rude question, mm-hmm. but is there any weird discrepancy between like a degree that's here? Does it transfer over to Ghana yes. perfectly? Okay. Perfect. And is, is valued higher. It's valued higher yeah, over because, there because because here you have all the amenities, you have all the tools, you have yeah, every, like you get the exposure too. So yeah, currently they need before they you be employed as a um, as a full time lecturer, you have to get your PhD. But because I've studied here under the same course I want to teach in, they are willing to employ me as a full time lecturer. But I'm supposed to within two years I'm supposed to have started my PhD. 
Oh, okay. But they don't, the dean currently is not ready to allow you to travel to do your PhD. Once you're employed, you have to stay in Ghana. Oh. So, so I have That's to be there. I know. <laughs> because before they used to do it and people don't come back and they still pay them. I understand that because, I mean, I don't know a lot about Ghana, mm-hmm. Ajua, so please forgive no, me. But I, I do know that there's been, I'm sure the government is struggling to keep people there to mm-hmm. invest in the country. Yeah. Because there's so many opportunities elsewhere, I'm yeah, sure. True. So I do kind of understand that. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like if you go and they employ someone else, when you come back, they have to take someone else off. So oh, okay. once they employ you, you have to be full time. Yeah. So they are giving you opportunities to study um, your PhD under art education. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, under art education. But I don't want to do art education. So yeah. now all my professors did art education as their PhD. Do you even want to teach in Ghana? Because would it would you would you find that you'd be so frustrated with the lack of facilities now that you've been able to utilize those kind of tools? Well, my aim, my my goal, and my aim if I ever get money is to buy everything that I used here and take home, but it would be for my class. So anything that would help my teaching is what I'm doing. Like you would own your tools. You would bring them into the facilities. Yeah. I'm sure you can get like grants and yeah. Have you looked into that kind of stuff? I'm sure you have, but no, I'm not actually, I'm actually not because I just finished grad school. Yeah. never mind, girl. You've been getting your MFA. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I haven't even had time to sleep. Give me a but break. But now that I'm like, like this would have been the best opportunity for me to meet people with the yeah. like Rio and talk to Rio and all that. But it's my first time, and I want to still have like explore, and then hopefully after next year, I would probably like look for grants and scholarships. I'm sure with your story and your motivation and what you've done and the type of person you are, like you kind of light up a room and that's kind of half the battle. (laughs) No, but it is half the battle when you meet people is being personable and being able to convey your story and who you are and connect with somebody. And I would not foresee that being an issue for you. I mean, you're the girl that just sat down and said that the guy that wrote a book on Mokame gave you a Mokame (laughs) brooch. So, So there's that. Yeah. So for your personal life, I find this has been something for me a lot, well, in tandem with your career, right? You're always, something is always going to have to be on the back burner, right? So you've kind of, your husband is in Ghana. He's Mm -hmm. been making his life happen over there, patiently waiting for you. What does he want? Does he want you to come back right away? Or is he going to come here to be with you? The last time we spoke, he wanted me to come back home. Yeah. But he... After he listened to the last podcast. Oh my gosh. Hi, <laughs> Nana. I hope you liked it. I think it, it made it gave me a lot of things to think about because he listened and he never talked about it till I think after a month. And mm-hmm. he said, what do you really want? Because in the podcast, I said, I don't know. I don't want to force him to come unless he wants to come himself. Yeah. So before this this year, he didn't want to go back when he came because yeah. he's he's legally to stay till my um, status is over, and I still have till next year June. Yeah. So he could have stayed, but I said I don't want you to come and then not have anything to do. So you rather stay. You rather come and then write your GRE, and then once you pass, you know that you're also in school, but you're not just sitting at home doing nothing. Yeah. But he he actually made that step. He was ready to come and stay so hopefully this november he's hoping to apply for um uh business administration course uh, mm-hmm. no public administration or ge- geography 
Oh, okay. So he'll yeah. come over and he study. He wants to actually start either BG or whichever school that gives him um, a good offer, he will yeah. take it. Look yeah, at that. So that podcast, <laughs> the podcast really helped. Yeah. Oh my God. That's incredible. <laughs> but he, he really, he wishes I'm home. Yeah. But after course. explaining the, the pros and cons of having to teach in tech, my yeah. dream is to go back and teach for sure. Because yeah. I really, really want to teach. And, and invest really, really in your change. community. Yeah. I Ugh. want to be the one to make the change. Yeah. So I really want to go back, but I don't want to go back and have to be overshadowed. Like, yeah. Because once you are there and you don't have the things to use or you don't have people to edge you on, you're eventually going to be just like everybody else, teach the same yeah. way everybody's teaching. So You want to be the change. I want to be the one to say, no, we need to change this. But I need experience. <laughs> so before we started recording, <laughs> Adua leaned mm-hmm. over and she's like, hey, <laughs> I have some news <laughs> to tell you. Because not only are you going through this huge life change, like you're graduating, mm-hmm. um, your husband might be coming over here, but you have something else <laughs> on your plate all of a sudden. So what's going on? So, so well, when I was in school, I've always been wondering, like, when I was going to, like, after school, what happens? Because like, yeah. all my friends that um, got married the same year I did or after me mm-hmm. all have either one baby or two babies. And I'm like, mm, you're only going to, like, all I'm doing is to school, school. I got a degree. <laughs> so I was like, what if I'm done with school and I don't even make a baby? Then, then I'm missing something in my life. Like, I still have my degree that I don't have, yeah. but I'm still missing something. So I was a little bit worried, but I told myself, my, and my friends always said, don't worry, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you just hope for the best and keep on. Because my husband is not here with me. And yeah. so I only have either a month or two weeks that he spends with me and that's it and yeah. then I have to wait for another six or seven months or probably an, a year mm-hmm. to see him again so I was very lucky that I got <laughs> I got my graduation gift <laughs> so <laughs> so I I found out um, on the day of my graduation well I was seeing seeing signs because I was craving for ice cream which was not something oh, yeah. I craved for <laughs> I don't like ice cream I would take chocolate over ice cream any day so I was just eating and eating and I was like I think I've logged up but I'm not sure he's like <laughs> Look, you've always been talk, 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 talking about this. I'm pretty sure it's just your mind. Yeah. And I was like, well, we'll see. But I was like, well, you're going to see before you leave for sure. Because it's supposed, my mind is supposed to come the day before you leave. So we'll yeah. see. So the day before he left, um, the day before his departure, I just checked it. But it didn't read anything. So I just dropped it. And then I went. Yeah. And then when I, later in the morning, I came back and I saw that there was a faint line. I was like, wait, wait, wait. This is not my eye, is it? <laughs> So that was how I saw it. I even gave up. I just did it. And you didn't I even wait around Mm-mm. to see it. How do you want that? Is hilarious. <laughs> Most women who take a pregnancy test, they're like, "Is it changing? Is it changing? No, I can't I tell." I waited for like maybe I think maybe a minute or so, and then I saw it, and I was like, "There's nothing," because at least it should have at least drawn a little bit. Yeah. And still, so I left it until I went back. And funny enough, when I threw it into the trash, it was upside, it was the f- right side up. Yeah. So when I went back to pee in the morning, I saw it and then it, it, there was another line. I was like, oh my goodness, this is not my eyes, is it? That is so incredible. <laughs> so I got my, my graduation gift for a lifetime. I was done with grad school and I have another degree. <laughs> yeah. And now so, you're going to have a baby. Yeah. That is so exciting. Yeah, yeah. How's Nana, how, what was his reaction? Was he just in disbelief? He, yeah, he, first he just smiled and he's like, no, you're just, you're just imagining. And I was like, no, I'm going to take another one. Yeah. <laughs> so I took another one that said yes or no. And it said yes. And it said yes. 
So yeah. he's he's excited. I was like, are you excited? He was like, well, of course I am. Yeah. Because his mom also kept asking, like, when are you coming? When are you coming? And yeah. in Ghana, when you get married, is that's the next thing that people are expecting you to. Like, even when I go home in Ghana, people are like, so how many do you have? Oh, so culturally, you culturally get, you're supposed to. Do you to. get married really early in Ghana? Is that no. culturally? No. No, that's not part married, of it? My sister got married 25. They don't push you to oh, get okay. married. But usually you're supposed to have like very educated families you're supposed to have finished with university right after university they start asking so when is so when are you showing us the man yeah and then once your friends get married they keep asking so when is your turn when is your turn everybody asking so because everybody was like almost everybody had a baby they they kept asking me so how many do you have and i was like none none (laughs) i got i got a really great tool set (laughs) (laughs) and they kept saying you have to hurry up so that you wash your hands. By 35, you should be done. What do you mean wash your hands? Oh, like so you're, you're done. So you're done. Oh. That's what everybody well, says. Well, how traditional, like, how many babies do people expect you to have? Is at it least two. At least two. If you have one, they'll say, oh, give birth to the, to have a backbone in a language. Yeah. So, oh, give birth to the, to the second one. Or if you have twins, they would always say, give birth to a third one because they call the, ter- the third one. It's like a top, like, once you have twins, you have, it's, Traditionally, you're supposed to have a third one. Yeah, you okay. Have two. So they always Are twins say, really? Oh, you guys! I don't know if we mentioned this or in the first podcast either, mm-hmm. but um, you're a twin. Oh yeah, I'm a you're, twin. Are you identical or are you just twin? We're fraternal. Fraternal. Okay. But yeah, yeah. If my sister is speaking in this podcast, we are the same. Oh, you sound exactly we the same. We sound the same. Oh, that's cool. Because our mom still struggles with who is on the phone when we uh, call. Yeah, that's that amazing. <laughs> but we, when we see, when you see us, we are two different people, and we have yeah. the same personality. So we pretty much the same one behind. Yeah. Because we still play pranks on my husband. Uh, <laughs> but he's warned us not to do that again. <laughs> I am so excited for you. Thank you. So right now, I'm sure you're just kind of like, you're just figuring it out. Yeah. You kind of just have to wait. Because mm-hmm. the other thing is because twins run in my family and twins run in his family. Oh, God. We are still, we are a little, I'm a, I really want twins too. I always I just want to do once and I'm done. <laughs> One and done. Just have them both at the same time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I said, if I get twins, I'm good. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be disappointed. Yeah. But I know it's a lot of work. It's so, a lot. Because my well, sister told you know, me, <laughs> you're you're good at working hard, obviously. <laughs> so, but by myself, in yeah. The States. I mean, I mm. feel like that's my own like. Girl, you gotta have your support system. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you will. You said your mom might come over. My mom, my mom might come over. Cause once my mom has been here before, coming yeah. for the second time wouldn't be a problem. Especially when I'm, if I'm working and I have everything stable, she yeah. should be able to get a visa. It would have been difficult if she didn't get this visa to come here the first time. Yeah. But now that she's here, she's already had exposure. She would go on time. Mm-hmm. She didn't violate anything, so it shouldn't be shouldn't be a shouldn't problem. be an issue no but i'm hoping my husband will be here by then yeah i'm right. like you better come he's like no you he's like i'm gonna escape. you I'm come like, here you have a duty and you would have to finish that <laughs> so yeah i hope i hope i'm i'm feeling positive when the time comes because i've been babysitting too for a while yeah so it's not new to me i've seen i've, I've babysat people i've babysat kids yeah. So I don't think it will be new to me, but I think it will be a problem. Yeah. It will be it will be a problem with me waking up early. Me having to wake oh, up. Oh, that's early. not. That is not. That's what I'm. It's not even for. a question anymore. My <laughs> friend just had a baby, and she's like, "You just don't sleep." Ooh, my and friend it, told me. And I was like, "How do you adjust to that?" She's like, "You don't. You just do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's not this adjustment yeah. period. It just is. It's." 
it just happens i guess yeah. i don't know i'm single still so like don't ask me i have no idea i, said, I, I just watch my friends and make them food but the thing is even when you think you're babysitting you're look you're doing the easy part because during the day is easy but the yeah. hard part is when you sleep late because the baby wakes you up and wakes you up at two yeah. and then you're not able to sleep again if you're someone who is able to go back to sleep after waking up that's it yeah so that's what i'm dreading for but when do we get the we'll cross that river mom. oh my god <laughs> keep me posted I hope. I hope you get twins i hope so too dude if you get twins your belly's gonna be gigantic i know my sister's belly was big oh your sister had twins yeah my big sister had twins oh my god yeah There's so many twins she's, around you she's, she said she said it was so big and she was so heavy she just wanted it out yeah of course it doesn't sound comfortable mm, at all mm, mm. she yeah. said it's very difficult yeah but once they're all out you, f- you go and you have to like she's at a point in time my sister had to make her own pacifier where she would put um a rubber band mm-hmm. no not a rubber like it's a it's a very it's a safety one yeah but she would tie it on the pacifier yeah and tie around their neck so that the pacifier would always be on their mouth yeah because the minute it comes out she goes she'll be doing something she goes back to put it on one's mouth she walks into the kitchen then the other one is crying because the other one the other is one's out. crying <laughs> or the one sleeping and the other one wakes the other one up oh my god so she she figured things out herself and it really yeah. helped her she's i my sister she's a superwoman i give her a heads up on yeah. that because she four kids and they're all two years intervals oh wow yeah, yeah she is super woman. the first one is five the second one is three the fourth the, the fourth the third and fourth one they are one they just turned one so yeah. she's and she never took a, a nanny or she only took wow. them to daycare when it yeah. was time for them to go yeah huh. good on your sister yeah <laughs> well all you want I want to say thank you so much. Well, first of all, thank you for trusting me and sharing that Aww. very special information. You're welcome. And I just love that it happened on your graduation yeah. day. And you described <laughs> it as the best graduation gift ever. Yeah. A lifetime graduation. A lifetime graduation <laughs> gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, but thank you for taking the time to come to Adornment in Theory and see me and give me this interview. <laughs> And just give me some insight because honestly, you're the only person I know from Ghana. Oh, really? Yeah. And well, now you know Dufier. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just to get to have insight to your educational experience and how different the culture is mm-hmm. different there versus here, and that insight is so important. Um, and thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Well, everyone, this has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists from everywhere. Until next time. Perceived Value is recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. If you love the podcast and you want to show your support, become our patron. Visit patreon.com slash perceived value to learn more or check out our website at perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page. As always, thank you for listening.